Let's take your Bibles tonight and go to Philippians in chapter number two. Philippians in chapter number two. We're going to read a little bit of the uh, first part of the chapter as we make our way to our verses here tonight, which begin in verse number 25. And Paul is really uh, in this chapter and really in the book, uh, the more that I'm studying it, the more that I'm seeing that he's really making a case for the church to be uh, unified around the Lord Jesus Christ, who is indeed a living Savior. So we've got every reason to, to be uh, in unity together. And so he's, uh, he's emphasizing that. And so uh, he certainly, that's a main point that he's been making since chapter one and verse number 27, when he talks about striving together for the faith of the gospel, uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But let's, let's just read a few select verses here. I'd like to read verses 1 through 4, and then we'll, we'll jump down a little bit further. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be, what does he say? Like-minded, like-minded. Um, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And then I, I believe some very key verses here that no doubt we all struggle with because we're prone to live for ourselves. And yet Paul challenges us as believers, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of who? Others, others. And then he says, verse five, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He explains our supreme example of one who, who did live unselfishly and gave his life for others, gave his life for all in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number 12, he says, wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed as in, in my presence, not in my presence only, but also uh, much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And he's not saying there, of course, that you work for your salvation. You never could. And, but he, what he's saying there is that the way you're going to work things out between you depends on what's in you. And if you're saved today, you need to act like it. And so he's saying, work that out. Uh, manifest that who you are and do all things without, I'm sorry, verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you both the will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. We could preach that message all over again, right? Because we would all need to, to hear that. And then the reason he's given is really and truly evangelistic, that we might be blameless and harmless as sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And so then he goes on giving the example of another, and that would be Timotheus. We read that last time in verses 19 and following and how that... Uh, t Timothy, as we often know him, he says in verse 20, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your estate. Verse 21, I think is another key that he's also still on the same subject here. He says, all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ, but you know the proof of him. In other words, Timothy has the mind of Christ. Paul has the mind of Christ, and, and so he's giving those examples. So that brings us to verse number 25. Let's look at it uh, together here tonight. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother 
and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death, Paul says. But God, aren't you thankful for those <laughs> words when they show up in such a context as that? But God had mercy on him and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I send him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice and that I may be the less, the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness. And then he says this, and hold such in reputation. These are honorable men that have served. Hold such in reputation. Why? He explains in verse 30. Because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death. Notice this, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. All right? He, he did this. It was for the work of Christ that he was nigh unto death. We'll talk a little bit about uh, perhaps what was going on there, but I draw your attention back to th verse 30 again when he says, not regarding his life. The idea there is this, he risked his life for the work of Christ. He literally did. He risked his life for the work of Christ. Tonight, I'd like to preach to you and challenge us here from this text on this title, the security in risking it all for Christ. The security. You say, well, if it's a risk, how can you say security? I'm saying it. The security in risking it all for Christ. You won't serve Christ if you keep protecting your life. You won't serve Christ if you keep protecting your life. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. We'll look at these verses here together. <clears throat> People take all kinds of risk, right? Skydiving, hand gliding, bungee jumping, driving in Oklahoma City, <laughs> eating out, <laughs> and on and on the list goes. Business ventures. Um, but really, listen to this carefully. <clears throat> No risk is greater than doing God's will except not doing God's will. You say, wait a minute, I'm not sure if it <laughs> seems like you, 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 uh, you contradicted yourself. I'm going to say it one more time. No risk is greater than doing God's will except not doing God's will. So again, Paul is talking about the need for unity here and he's, he's uh, really driving that home and having the mind of Christ. 
I, I was very close and emphasized, and in a lot of the messages, going to do this because I, I want to be true to the context of it. Um, a lot of it's going to emphasize our need, our need collectively and individually to put the needs of others ahead of ourselves. That's, that's what God wants us to do and will help us to do. By the way, you've got to have the help of God to do that, Amen. to put the needs of others before yourself. Because it's easy to see that this man, Epaphroditus, who, by the way, is only mentioned here, and he's mentioned actually in verse number 18 of chapter 4. We'll come to that here in just a moment. So he's only, he's only mentioned twice. I mean, it's, it's, he comes on the scene and he's off the scene. Now, there's, there's a man named Epaphras, and Epaphras is short for Epaphroditus, but those are two different individuals. That man's in, in, mentioned in, in Colossians and Philemon. So this is, this is a gentleman here that was from Philippi. We'll, we'll get to that again in just, just a few moments here. Um. Having the mind of Christ, obviously Christ manifests the ultimate example of that. Paul did, Timothy did as well. I mean, he had, Paul said, you, you know Timothy, he thinks of others, he's thinking of you. And so you might think, well, that's what preachers are supposed to do. That's what pastors ought to do. They ought to think of others. Well, that is really true. A pastor or preacher ought to think of others, but I want to say this to you tonight, for the health of every single church, including Southwest Baptist Church, that can't be limited to just those that are in church leadership. Think of, of others. It, it's got to be every single member. In fact, Epaphroditus, best we can tell, he's not a church leader. He's, he's not a pastor. He's not a deacon. He, as far as I know, now, I mean, the, the text doesn't indicate that, that he's one of the, the church leadership. Here's what he is. He's a faithful member of the church in Philippi. Amen. We're getting ready, church, to celebrate 70 years, 70 years as Southwest Baptist Church. Uh, I'm very excited, of course, about that. But here's something that we can certainly acknowledge. You don't make it to this milestone of 70 years as a church family without having people who have in the past put Christ first. I've been reminded of that this week as I've thought about um, people like a Jim Lewis and some of, the, some of these names right here that um, I'm going to mention uh, some maybe wouldn't know, but we, we need to be mindful that there are people that, that were involved in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ way before we ever came on this scene. Um, think people like uh, Larry Booth, Grady Booth, um, and uh, I could keep going on quite a few, <laughs> but people that really, here's what they did. They put others first. Many of them are in heaven now. I, for the sake of time, I'm going to keep moving there. And there are others I have on my heart and mind even right now, and many of whom that, that you, would, you would know and, and, and such. But, but there are many that have been here, men and women alike, that have served just like Timothy and just like Epaphroditus. 
And I'm, I'm submitting to you tonight that we must continue to grow those type of members if we're going to continue to have a healthy church. What kind of Christians are we growing today? What kind of Christians are we growing? I believe we need some tough believers. Some tough believers. When I was a teenager, Brother Dave McCracken would preach to us about not being a crybaby Christian. Now, I think he just preached at a youth rally. Our young people went. To, is that right? And he just preached against being crybaby Christians. Well, that's good. Because we don't need crybaby Christians. Crybaby Christians. We need Christians that would be Christians with grit and grace. Grit and grace. Um, just uh, recently eaten out and, and the waitress, I asked, how long have you been a waitress here at this particular restaurant? And, and uh, she indicated, you know, for, she's been a waitress a long time. And, and so she's in the process now of, of training other waiters and waitresses and so forth. And she said this, you know, um, people just don't have the same mindset they used to about being a waitress. A new generation, um, a little bit more focused on themselves than trying to serve others. And she said, I'm a little bit old school. And I was thinking in my heart and mind, I like old school and trying to serve others. I'm saying to you tonight that Epaphroditus, he was not a crybaby Christian. Modern Christians don't quit when they get hurt. They quit way before that. Modern Christians don't quit when they get hurt. They, hurt. they quit way before that. They quit when they get just their feelings hurt. Friend, listen. Epaphroditus, he was sick unto death and was still going. We, we need some of that tenacity. We, we need some of that stick to if that's a word. We need some of that uh, grit that says, I, I realize that times are difficult and times are hard, but, but we've got a job to do here. We've got a task to do. The Lord Jesus Christ deserves to be served. And I'm, I'm not backing out of this because it's getting tough. Paul didn't back out when things got tough. Timothy didn't back out when things got tough. And, and this church member, uh, Epaphroditus, he didn't back out when things got tough. He just kept going. And the reason is found in, in verse number 30, as we're going to build up to that, basically this, he didn't regard his own life. It wasn't like his life was the most prominent thing that was going on, but rather it was this, the work of Christ. And, and if, I pray God would help us to, to have the work of Christ front and center in our hearts and minds, lest we lose being the type of church that we have been. Amen. Um, there was a group that Paul was, was uh, around that was serving themselves, and then there was those that were seeking Christ. And, and the way that you seek what is of interest to Christ and important to Christ is that you put others first. And so we need to be very engaged. This is what we said last week. I just want to hit this before we move on and consider this man just for a few moments here tonight of Epaphroditus. Uh, but we, we need to be very involved and very uh, much serving others by visiting others. J. Oswald Smith said the church that will not evangelize will fossilize. The non, I messed this quote up 
two weeks ago, so I'm going to hit it right tonight. The non-church goer cannot be reached by the non-going church. The non-church goer cannot be reached by the non-going church. The Sunday school that refuses to go is a goner. Anybody get that? How did Southwest Baptist Church um, grow? I, I just recently reading the history. We've got a, a video that we're working on. I think you're really going to enjoy that and some of the testimonies that are coming with that. But how did, how did the church grow? I'll tell you how it grew because Sunday school, Sunday school teachers and workers and members worked together, knocking doors and visiting people and following up on, on people that came and just kept after them, much like we're doing today. But listen, if, if we begin to slack off and we get our attention on ourselves, we decline. Epaphroditus was a man who was putting the needs of others ahead of himself. Again, he was a member of the church. If, as you understand here in the text, and he was there commissioned by the church, assigned by the church in Philippi to basically do this, take the love offering to Paul. And that he did. He did his, his assigned task as he brought the love offering to Paul. And now what's happening is this, Paul is sending him back to Philippi in some ways, maybe a little bit early, but listen, he's not dishonorably discharged, but rather honorably discharged. The reason I'm saying that is because they might be surprised to see, to see Epaphroditus back relatively soon. Maybe they thought he was going to stay a little bit, a little bit longer, but here's the thing about Epaphroditus. He was willing to leave the security of his home to face some difficult circumstances to help Paul. You see, back in these times, um, it wasn't like a state or federal run prison today where, <laughs> where all their needs were taken care of. Um, in fact, it was up to family members or it was up to friends that would come and, and provide food or provide meals or help take care of some things for this individual. And so Epaphroditus is there on behalf of Paul to do just that. And that's why Paul is so grateful for him and what, what he did. And so he's going back because the church there heard somehow that we don't know exactly as to how they got word about Epaphroditus being sick. In fact, he was so sick. Did you notice it was mentioned three times in our text that Paul said he was sick. In fact, he was nigh unto death. He was nigh unto death. And uh, he mentions that twice. He nearly died serving there. Maybe he got sick on the way there and it's a long journey and travel was difficult or maybe he got sick while he was, after he arrived and he's really exerting himself and, and putting Paul first and trying to serve. I don't know all the circumstances, but I know this, the church there got word that he wasn't doing well. And so Paul is saying, listen, I, I want you to go back and show them that you're okay. Because Epaphroditus was concerned about them being concerned. Have you ever went to visit somebody? And you're there to be a help and a blessing to them because they're in a real bad way. I mean, they're, they're really sick. And you can't hardly get them to tell you how they're doing because they're actually interested in how you're doing. That's Epaphroditus. Even though he was going through all this, he was putting other people first. He was concerned about them. Look what Paul said about him. I think this is a great commendation by Paul. He said he's my brother in verse number 25. My brother, um, you know, here, here is Paul the apostle saying we're brothers in Christ. Paul never had the mentality, I'm an apostle, I'm above you. 
He never got that mentality. Now, he understood authority, he understood leadership and all those things. But at the end of the day, Paul kept this in mind. I'm saved by the grace of God, just like you are. And I'm, I'm a brother and Epaphroditus is a brother. He's a brother and companion in labor. Um, in fact, this word, a companion in labor, it's a worker together. It's a fellow worker. You'll hear it that way. It's used of Aquila and Priscilla in Romans chapter 16, how they were helpers in Christ. And it's used of, um, of Apollos and how that we are laborers together. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, laborers together with Christ and fellow laborer in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. So it's used a whole lot. So you got brother and then you got companion in labor and then you have fellow soldier. So the, the idea is this, the danger is intensifying. He's a brother, he's a fellow laborer, but he's also this, a fellow soldier. He's with me in conflict. He's with me in battle. We might say it this way, he's a battle buddy. He's with me in this. He's not backing down. He's, he's right here with me. He's associate with me in the battle and in the strife. And so he says, he's my fellow soldier. By the way, 2 Timothy 2, Paul exhorted Timothy, thou therefore endure softness as a good soldier. Is that what he said? No, he said, endure hardness as a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is recognizing that, that, um, that the ministry would not be easy, whether you're a pastor or a member of a church. Hey, listen, serving Christ in any day and time has not been an easy task. Amen. Endure hardness. But he's also a very caring individual. Verse number 26 points out, he longed after you all and was full of heaviness. In fact, the only other time this word heaviness is used like that is in Matthew 26 and in Mark chapter 14 about Jesus and how that he was so heavy in his concern and, and praying. And this is Epaphroditus. He was caring for them. But God was merciful to Epaphroditus. Verse 27 and 28, he's sick nigh unto death. And, and yet God spared him. He was merciful to him. And Paul says, listen, actually, God was merciful to me as well, because otherwise, if he had passed away, can you imagine this? While he was trying to serve me, I would have had sorrow upon sorrow. And so he said, I want to thank God tonight or today that God is able to heal and he's able to restore and you ought to receive Epaphroditus. He says in verse number 29, receive him, therefore. In the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation. Not make much of man. I, I understand that. Paul is saying this. Here's somebody that's commendable. Here's someone that you can value highly and respect. It's somebody who puts others first in the work of Christ. He did not serve Christ in a self-protective mode. You know, every one of us can get in a self-protective mode. The Bible says here that he was nigh unto death because of the work of Christ, not regarding his life. This word not regarding, it means as he had no concern for his life. He exposed himself to danger. Um, it's used of a merchant that would... Go, venture on the sea outside of the New Testament. It's used of a, of a merchant who would go out on the, on the seas uh, risking life for gain. It was also used of fighters in the arena that would enter into the arena risking their life to, to fight, to do battle. And here's it used of uh, Paphroditus who risked his life in serving Christ. 
One of my favorite verses in, is in Acts chapter 15 and verse number 26. Men that have hazarded their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Men that have hazarded. The word hazarded there means this. They've, they've handed their life over. They're risking their life. They're saying, serving the Lord is more important than my own comfort and even safety. You'll not be involved in the Lord's work if you're constantly regarding your own life. Listen to this. We tend to protect our lives right out of God's will. We tend to protect our lives right out of God's will. You know, I, I believe tonight that Epaphroditus knew that going to Rome would have been dangerous. I believe he understood that. But he also believed this. He knew it to be God's will. And he did not go into a self-protective mode. What are you exchanging for God's will? What are you exchanging for God's will? Um, I like what uh, one man said, his name, Sir Winf uh, Wilfred Grenfell, a man who hazarded his life. Listen to his, auto, his biography, rather, and how that oftentimes he's making a rescue. Uh, this is back in the late 1800s, trying to get to people that were uh, in great need, risking his own life there in the area of around uh, northeast and, uh, of our country and, and, uh, and so forth. It was an incredible story just how that he risked his life. But he said this, the service we rendered to others is really the rent we pay for our room here on this earth. Some people aren't paying rent. <laughs> it is obvious that man is a, himself a traveler and that the purpose of this world is not to have and to hold, but to give and to serve. Real joy comes, he says, also, not from ease or riches or from the praise of men, but doing something worthwhile. His constant question was this, what would Christ do in my place? What would Christ do in my place? I, I want to encourage you tonight, don't save your life from the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't hold it back. Don't save your life. Um, I'm thankful for the men and ladies alike and families that have been willing to go where the gospel has not been, and, and they risked their lives for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ gave up what they were holding on to to serve others. So now God may not call you like he did Epaphroditus to do that. So how do you, how do, you do that in your, in your time? Well, notice he's saying here that God commends those who live for others. Live for others rather than for self. See, um, not holding our life back from God's will, knowing what God's will is and not doing it, really begins in smaller steps. Could be like this. We can honor God by helping others even when we ourselves are so busy. Anybody in here busy? And then an opportunity comes to serve someone and you think, wait a minute, if I help them, I'm that much further behind. Anybody listen to this here tonight? But God honors those 
who put others ahead of themselves. Okay, let's get real practical here tonight. Because Epaphroditus did. He set his own desires aside to serve others. Uh, remember that God honors those who help others. Remember that God honors those. And didn't he honor Epaphroditus? God's not unfaithful to forget your work and labor love. He, he recognized Epaphroditus and what he did. God remembers and he honors those that help others. Remember he does that when there's dishes to put away and others have already left the table and sat down on the couch. Okay, that was me, right? Remember, God honors those who try to help others when you've got multiple meetings and all kinds of demands on you and you'd rather not go, but you need to be there to meet with that individual or to meet, you know, at your work even as you have meetings and, and things and you've got on your mind, oh, I could be doing so many other things, but put the needs of others before yourself. It's tough stuff, isn't it? How about this? How about when you ask somebody how they're doing and they start to tell you? <laughs> and you, all you meant was just like, hi. <laughs> Can you put the needs of others? before yourself and be willing to listen instead of seeing them coming and voiding, going down the other hallway, right? When somebody needs to talk. Can you remember others and put others ahead of yourself? Even when somebody's being difficult, you ever deal with anybody being difficult? Anybody dealing with anybody being difficult? Anybody want to point that person out right now? No, don't, don't, don't do that. You put the needs of others ahead of yourself, even when somebody's being difficult. Can you put the needs of others ahead of yourself um, when you have tons to do and you don't want to do it? I remember getting out of class at Baptist Bible College and going um, to work there in the, in the calf. And all morning long, the, one of the cooks um, named Don, he'd... <laughs> He'd been working all day, just getting as many pots and pans dirty as he could, I felt like, and piling them all in this deep, we called it spray and baptize because, you know, you'd scrape off all the food and then you'd, you'd, uh, bap you'd spray it all off and then you'd baptize it. <laughs> it's a Baptist college. So we would <laughs> baptize it in the water and let it dry. And I mean to tell you, he, he went through so many pans and you know, what, it was just caked on there and then it just piled up and been sitting there for about two to three hours. Didn't let it soak. I tell you, the last thing I wanted to do every day was come in and see how tall that pile was. It's hard to put your own desires aside to say, I know I need to do this work. Because I know also I got a ton of homework I need to do, but now I got to do all this. Um, you know, when you do this, God builds character. Yeah. And even gives you a love for a guy named Don. <laughs> Can you put the needs of others ahead of you, ahead of yourself? When somebody doesn't show up for work and it's on you, 
They called in sick and you know they are not the least bit sick. You just saw them last night. They were fine. Can you put the needs of others ahead of yourself when your baby's crying in the middle of the night? Hello? And your wife won't wake up? <laughs> Angie told me that I could sleep through some incredible crying. It's a gift. Can you put the needs of others ahead of yourself when nobody seems to notice? You know, we tend to maybe serve others when others say, man, good job. But what if you never get the good job? Can you still serve others? Epaphroditus didn't do this to get recognition. Paul said, hold such in reputation. You know, I believe firmly tonight that there's a lot of members of Southwest Baptist Church that once we're all in eternity are going to be recognized way above what we do. And they may never be out front in the public eye, but you're faithful. And God sees even if nobody else does. When you fill in to drive that bus and you are driver number five on Brother Greg's list down of substitute drivers, God knows, even if nobody else knows about it. God knows every time that you uh, work in the nursery, uh, an extra shift. God knows. Hey, I'm telling you, he knows. Put the needs of others ahead of yourself when nobody seems to care. Can you put the needs of others ahead of yourself when you're caring for a sick spouse? There's some uh, members of our church family that are doing just that right now. And, um, and others that that we know um, and I pr we pray often for those that are in in their times of health needs but we also need to pray for those that are giving care to them and the load that they're carrying I don't know if you saw on the uh, in the missions voice Miss uh, King's article or letter that she wrote fantastic but the Richard King now has Alzheimer's and and uh, it's just advancing, but to see the love that, not, not just Miss King, she was writing actually about uh, the, their new pastor there, Brother Rusty Ellis, and the former pastor, Brother Ard, and, and a little, I think a 10-year-old boy that talks to Brother Richard about fishing. It's awesome. It's ways of serving others. And they may not remember it. They may not even, they may not even recognize who you are at certain times of life. I watched my granddad do that with my grandmother. And as she began to lose her faculties, he just kept serving her, even if she didn't recognize it or say anything about it. That's service. He uh, would visit uh, in the morning, three times a day, most generally. They got to the place where they said, Mr. Law, you don't have to come that often. We'll take care of, uh, of your wife. We'll take care of her. And he said, We've been together every day since we've been married and eating most of those meals together. I'm not going to stop now. That's putting the needs of others ahead of yourself. Can you put the needs of others ahead of yourself? Even when you've been praying for somebody, maybe to be saved or somebody to get right with God and they're not turning to the Lord yet, can you put their needs still ahead of, them, of yourself and just keep praying?
and serving others. Epaphroditus was faithful to God, even to the point of death, because he saw the work of Christ of greater value even than his own life. We need some tough Christians today. We need some tenacious Christians today. We don't need some crybaby Christians. We need some Christians who will say, there's a work to be done. And by the grace of God, I'm going to lean on him while I do it. And stay faithful where he calls me to be. And don't be afraid of God's will. Be afraid of missing God's will. Because the only risk greater than doing God's will is not doing God's will. Let's stand together here tonight. The security. The security in risking your life for Christ. I, I realize tonight that God may not be calling on you to risk your life, but He's, he's calling on you to serve others, and put others first, and not regard your own life. Oh, but my soul, how selfish we can be, and self-centered, and and needing to repent and say, God, I've had my mind on myself. Please, please forgive me. Would you come tonight? The Lord spoke to your heart about these things and given you an opportunity. And it may be God giving you an opportunity to serve within your family or at your school or work. Um, there's somebody that needs you to not regard your own life, but to serve, be willing to serve others. There's a bus route that needs your attention. There's a Sunday school class. There's a place of service here at church that uh, needs your involvement. Would you do God's will and be involved where God wants you to be? Heavenly Father, tonight, I thank you for the security of risking our lives for Christ. I thank you, dear God, for the salvation and the security of our salvation, of course. But Lord, also, just as our Savior said, that whoso keeps his life or tries to hold on to his life will lose it, but those that lose their life will find it. It's such a paradox, and yet it's so true and reliable. And God, I pray that you'd help us tonight to serve others, to serve you by serving others as we see in your word. Thank you for the examples of a Timothy and Epaphroditus and a Paul that challenge us, dear God, not to live for ourselves, but to live for others. And I pray, God, that you'd help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Page 503, where he leads me, I'll follow. Uh, don't be afraid of giving your life for Christ or to Christ. Let him use you where you are. As Brother Aaron leads us on this very first verse.